Welcome to the Dr. Wyatt Show podcast where developing a long-lasting, happy relationship is the status symbol to achieve. And following my six marriage steps is a path to help get you there. I'm your host, Dr. Wyatt Fisher, a licensed psychologist specializing in marriage counseling. I'm offering a new free service. You can contact me on the Dr. Wyatt Show office hours, Wednesdays at 12 noon Mountain Standard Time. You can reach me live at Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Live office hours. Think back to college or high school. Your teachers had office hours. And that was for you as a student to go there and ask your teacher questions about what you were learning in class. And that's how I view this podcast. This podcast is like a marriage class. And so I'm sure when you listen to it, sometimes you have questions. Some, sometimes things might be confusing. So attend these office hours so you can pick my brain and get your questions answered. It's Wednesdays, 12 noon, Mountain Standard Time, live on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube on my channels. Okay, we're in the middle of a two-part series on nine steps to mastering money in marriage. Part one covered steps one through four. If you haven't listened to that, be sure to go back and listen to that episode. That covers steps one through four. And today I'm going to cover steps five through nine. So let's kick it off. Number five, develop a budget. A budget is not something to make you feel restricted. It's actually something to make you feel freedom. Because a budget allows you to see where all your money is going and should be going. Some of the items in your budget are going to be fixed, such as your rent or your mortgage or your utility bill or your phone bill. However, some categories are going to be up for debate. How much should we spend on groceries every week? How much should we spend on spending money every week? How much should we spend on birthdays? How much should we spend on holiday gifts? All of that stuff should be in your budget so that there's no surprises. When it comes time for the holidays, you're not stressed to buy presents because it's been in your budget the whole year. You have the money saved up. You're not stressed when it comes time to buy birthday presents because it's in your budget. You've been saving for it. A budget is a great way to not only gain control around your spending so it's not out of control, but also it develops a sense of teamwork between you and your partner because you have a common playbook. You have a common document where you both operate out of it. And this is going to require sharing power, especially on the categories that are up for debate on how much you spend. That's going to require you sharing power, bouncing the ball to reach a compromise on how much you should spend on those categories. But developing a budget is essential. If you don't have one, get started on it today. It's going to take a few months to get an an actual working budget that's accurate. So start today with writing down, here's our fixed categories, here's the miscellaneous categories, how much should we spend on each of these, and then once a week when you look at your spending, you want to sit down once a week to look at, okay, how did we do? Where were we over budget? Where were we under budget this past week? Let's look at that because maybe we need to tighten our belt. Maybe we need to loosen our belt. Maybe we need to adjust the budget so it's more realistic. But at all times, the eye needs to be on, are we both buying into this budget? Do we both agree to this budget? And that's going to come only through sharing power and striking compromises. Number six, you have to get out of debt. When you're in debt, 
it puts a thousand pounds on your shoulders. The more financial stress you have, the more marital conflict you're gonna have. And debt is a primary source of financial stress. You wanna get it out of your relationship. You wanna get rid of debt, but that's really hard to do because we live in a culture that's constantly tempting us to go into debt. Think about it. Think about all the offers you're exposed to, to finance. Buy now, pay later, two years, interest-free. It's all around us. And we start thinking, why not? Yeah, I want that shiny object. I can buy it now and then just have payments. Who cares? Yeah, let's do that. And off we go. And before you know it, you have lots and lots of payments. So you get paid and your money disappears because it goes to all these payments. You don't have financial freedom because all of your money is consumed with debt. And credit cards are a primary cause of this. Think about how easy it is to get into credit card debt. Research has shown when you purchase something with a credit card compared to a debit card, people usually spend way more money on a credit card than they would on a debit card because there's no limit. I can overspend on my credit card, I can't overspend on my debit card. So people tend to spend much more if they're using credit. Also, most people don't pay off their credit card at the end of the month, and then it racks up more and more and more. My wife and I are guilty of this. We've owned a credit card for the majority of our marriage. For many years in our marriage, we had credit cards. Usually we just had one and we got into debt in that credit card. It was so easy to do, and we thought, we'll pay this off at the end of the month, and we didn't, and it got higher and higher and higher, and thankfully, we paid it all off. But then we did it again. We went into debt on our credit card over and over and over, and then thankfully, we got it all paid off. But then we did it again. We did it three times. We're slow learners. We kept going into debt on our credit card, and it got really, really, really high, and then thankfully we got to pay it all off, but we wasted so much money on interest through all those years making payments. And it was so stressful until finally we chopped up our credit cards. We canceled all the credit cards. We have been without credit cards now for a good eight years to 10 years. And it's been one of the best things we've ever done financially because it forced us to start rethinking how we use our money. It moved us from, let's just get it, to we can't get it unless we have the cash. So it forced us to get on the same page with our spending. It forced us to start saving. It forced us to have delayed gratification and impulse control because now our mentality is, if we don't have the cash, we don't buy it. It's been a game changer, and it's helped us get rid of our debt, which has freed us financially. So I highly encourage you to do the same. Get rid of your credit cards and practice the debt snowball. If you're listening to this and you have debt, which I'm sure you do, because most people do, practice the debt snowball. What that means is you wanna rank your debts from smallest to largest, regardless of interest rate. And then you wanna pay them off from smallest to largest. When your first one is paid off, you take the money you were putting on that one and then you put that toward the second debt. When that's paid off, you take the money you were spending on the first and second debt and you put both of those onto the third debt. Maybe you also wanna get a side hustle job. Maybe you can sell them some things. You wanna burn through your debt as fast as possible because debt is crippling your marriage.
It creates financial stress. So make that a top priority. Number seven, build an emergency fund. How much money do you have saved for emergencies? Most people have almost none. Most people, if they went through a serious emergency where they lost their job or had a major expense, most people can't afford it. They can't live in that emergency because they don't have an emergency fund. So what do they do? They go into more debt to pay for the emergency and now it's a double stressor. Now it's the stress of the emergency plus the debt of the, the stress of the debt. Don't let that be you. Become disciplined. Every time you get paid, take a percentage of that and put it into a separate emergency account that you can't touch and then reserve it only for emergencies and only touch it if you and your partner are in agreement that yes, this is an emergency. It's recommended to have three to six months of your living expenses in an emergency fund. We just went through an emergency. It was a minor one, but it was an unexpected expense. Our car broke down. I took the car into the, to, uh, the, the local place where I take it into for an oil change. And when it was there, I told them about this problem the car was having. And they listened for it, they heard it, we researched it. And that problem, unfortunately, is a known faulty part in the motor that's common for that year of car. And it was an expensive repair. And they told me, if you don't repair it, that can damage the entire motor eventually. And I researched it, I talked to several other mechanics, and they all said the same thing. And so it was stressful. I was like, ah, I don't wanna spend money on that. That's an unexpected expense. But we had an emergency fund. And so I used the money in the emergency fund to pay for that repair. And so that stressful situation turned into an inconvenience instead of a debilitating stressor and we didn't go into debt to repair it. And so that's how you wanna feel. You wanna feel ready for these mishaps of life. The dishwasher breaks. You have a water leak in your house. Your car breaks down. You break your phone. There's all sorts of unexpected expenses. Are you prepared? Are you ready? If you're not ready, get ready. Because otherwise, those things are gonna happen. It's inevitable, it's a part of life. It's just a matter of when it's gonna happen, not if. You're gonna have financial emergencies. You wanna be prepared so when they happen, it's not stressful, it's an inconvenience. Number eight, save for the future. We are not a culture of savers. We're a culture of spenders. So many people are guilty of living paycheck to paycheck because they're making payments on all their debt so they can have all these shiny objects now. But what that does is now we have no money to save for the future. We're not saving for our, our children's college. We're not saving for our retirement. We're not saving because we don't have any extra income because all tied up in debt. So once you get your debt paid off, once you get your emergency, emergency fund built, start saving for the future. When you research how much percentage Americans save compared to Europeans, compared to Asians, in Japan, it's amazing how small Americans save. The percentage that we save in America is so teeny compared to this 
percentage of income Europeans save or the percentage of income the Japanese save. We're not doing a good job. Americans on average do a horrible job saving for the future. I wanna encourage you, start getting excited, as excited about saving as you get about spending. It's a mindset shift and it's difficult because we live in this instant gratification culture. I am guilty of this. I have a hard time saving for the future because I wanna spend now. I am guilty of this. I know exactly how it feels and I have fallen into that trap again and again and again. And thankfully through the years, I'm slowly developing the self-discipline to save. How important it is to save. You're gonna be old one day. Don't count on social security to float the boat. Who knows what's gonna happen with social security. You have to prioritize savings. What are you gonna do when you're old? You wanna retire with integrity. You don't wanna become a burden to your family that they have to take care of you because you're not making choices now to save for your future. So it's vital to prioritize savings. It's vital to think ahead. It's vital to develop the self-discipline to save. That's an adult. An adult has the self-discipline to save for the future. A child spends everything now on instant gratification. Number nine, this is the last tip, share in managing the money. Don't set up your marriage where only one of you manages all the money. That partner pays all the bills. That partner balances the budget. That partner meets with a financial advisor every six months by themselves. Don't do that. That puts a lot of burden on that spouse. And when you're the spouse who takes care of all the money, it's a burden. It makes you feel alone. It doesn't feel like teamwork. It feels like a lot of pressure. And your partner doesn't get it because they're not in the weeds with you on the finances. So if you talk about financial stress, they're in la-la land because they're not participating. They're not a part of the process. They're not helping with it. So they're out of it. And so therefore, they're not tuned into your stressors because they're not a part of the financial discussions. So I encourage you to develop a couple routines around money. One is try to get in the routine where you sit down once a week to balance your budget. You have to have a budget first to balance it. But that means you sit down once a week, you pay whatever bills are due, and you look at all of the expenses that you had for the last week, all of your spending, then you compare that to your budget. Where were we on budget? Where were we over? Where were we under? And based on that information, what do we need to tweak moving forward for next week? That is an ongoing thing that both of you need to keep an eye on. The other thing I encourage you to do is every six months, both of you meet with a financial advisor. A financial advisor is someone trained in finances, they have expertise, and they can sit down with you and talk with you about your future, your portfolio, if you even have one. You can talk to them about what you want your future life to look like after you retire. What age do you wanna retire? And if you wanna retire at that age, how much do you need to be saving now to get there? You wanna take advantage of compounding interest where you invest now and then after several years, it doubles and then it doubles again. Get started now. And doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter if you think it's too late for you, 
it's never too late to get started doing the right thing. So meet with a financial advisor every six months with your partner to get on the same page, to develop the same vision for your future together financially. So those are the remaining five tips. So number five, develop a budget. Number six, get out of debt. Number seven, build an emergency fund. Number eight, save for the future. And number nine, share in managing the money. I've created a free PDF on this podcast series on nine steps to mastering money in marriage. To access that free PDF, go to my website, drwyattfisher.com forward slash pages forward slash freebies, and then look for the free PDF on this podcast series. Thank you for listening to The Dr. Wyatt Show. If you enjoyed the episode, pause, click the five stars, and leave a review. And remember, the best way to pay it forward is to text one person today about The Dr. Wyatt Show and tell them why you have found it beneficial yourself. For more marriage resources, go to my website, drwyattfisher.com. It's packed with resources for you. And remember, your marriage is alive. If you nurture it and care for it, it will grow. But if you deprive it and neglect it, it will wilt and die. The choice is up to you. Take care.